Hey guys, welcome back to the Physique Collective podcast. You've already heard one from me by this point, so this one isn't going to be about me. I'll just try and join in the discussion as much as possible. The main contributor towards this podcast is going to be Darian Bates. I've also got Brad Weimark with me as well, because I'm staying at Brad's this weekend. But we're going to have a a long-form discussion about PED use and introduce what Darian is going to be bringing to the app and to the social media to help you guys with that. Um, And then we'll just have a little bit of discussion maybe around how our experiences reflect some of the information that Darian's going to be bringing you. Brad is a coach that coaches loads of females. I coach females. Wouldn't say loads. Um, So, yeah, Darian, why don't you introduce yourself i'm sure the listeners already know who you are because you've been all over our social media but if anybody doesn't introduce yourself and let us know what you're going to be bringing to the site um so i am a coach um i i'm not just a physique coach i kind of coach everyone lifestyle clients all the way through to competitors um i myself i i guess like the the i don't know closest title i could give myself Self is a bikini competitor, but I don't class myself as a bikini competitor. Um, In all honesty, I just love sort of like the lifestyle bodybuilding as far as like the training and the nutrition goes. And then obviously the the PEDs and and pharmacology that surrounds that. Um, To the Physique Collective, I kind of, um, I guess I'll be bringing an education um, format towards female PED use um and implementing that and sort of I hate to use a term and I really need to find another term for it safer use model I really uh, don't want to use, use that a, term anymore risk risk uh risk aversive risk, risk reduction practices risk reduction practices yeah yeah Oof. yeah um I and and I just think that there's um and which I was unaware of going into it because Joe, you were like sort of the first person I was exposed to when I when I went down this route. Um, that I thought like everyone was kind of on board with it, and that I started speaking openly about it. And there was a lot of pushback, especially here in Australia, because let alone our knowledge base around PEDs isn't that great. Um, and that's being kind. Um, but then even like the exploring sort of the female route. And it's a, it's a whole new concept that I got a lot of pushback, so I just put, sort of remained rather quiet about it. Um, but, yeah, I was actually really unaware of how little people knew um, about how to kind of uh, even just female uh, physiology in general. Mm. Yeah, so I've, I've obviously put out loads of PED content over the years and done a load of female-based stuff, but I tried to not be so involved in female PED content for Physique Collective because the plan really always was. And this ties back into your point here where you mentioned um, pushback about these kind of models in that uh, it's probably a bit of a dual function here where on the one hand, people attack what they don't understand and they fear what they don't understand. Um, And there's there's also strong emotional reactions to people's firmly held beliefs. If they believe something absolutely to be true and somebody tells them differently, I posted a study on this on Physique Collective, which was like a, a Christianity board study when presented with, with evidence on what happens in the brain. But anyway, people get quite emotionally attacked. And, and, and when that's going to happen anyway, and it's coming from a man that isn't a bikini competitor or a figure competitor or something, that only layers on more difficulty to translate the message. 
So I think somebody in your position who, and by the way, Darren, you're definitely a bikini competitor. You're a fucking good one as well. Um, <laughs> so don't put yourself down. Um, it's much easier to look at somebody like you and say, wow, you look really good. And you do this and you've made this progress. And you obviously know your shit because everything you're saying is well-referenced and evidence-based. They're much more likely to listen to you, you know? Yeah, and I think we, we had this conversation the other day where it's like, um, I say from the male perspective as well because I've had some male clients go like, their only hesitation with joining with me is that I don't know what it's like to be on that amount of compounds or those dosages. And I'm like, you're totally right because I don't know what it's like to be on trend, nor am I ever going to find out. Um, and, and vice versa, like a male doesn't know what it's like to have a reproductive system or to sort of like have all these hormonal changes in your body on a monthly basis. Most definitely, yeah. Maybe you should try Trem so that you can coach more men. <laughs> yeah, that's what Jess said. <laughs> hey, there, there's, a, there's, <laughs> there's only one way to find out. Listen, I could make a great argument for females using a synthetic progestin, maybe close to the to the show in a, in a very low dose. Maybe we should do a video on that at some point. Um, anyway, <laughs> why don't we start to go through some of the initial things that you're going to be bringing the female viewers, the members, um, in your sort of first foray into content, into Physique Collective? So we've kind of planned it out that the, the, first, the first video is just going to be a general introduction to female PED use, um, the different compounds that we have available to us, sort of going over the, the risk to reward ratios, what females should be monitoring, um, where the greater risk sort of lies within female PED use rather than, because I think there's a big misconception around that, that like a lot of people think it's more drug choice and dosages where it's, it's more duration. Um, then going down into like female physiology and then sort of a, a general breakdown of each compound and the environment that they should be deployed in um, and whether that be what that would look like within a off-season scenario and a contest prep scenario. Mm. So the way I think this might work well as well is not only, of course, bring in really good, reliable, evidence-based knowledge to women, but also someone like Brad coaches a lot of women that I'm guessing a lot of them are enhanced. If if you're introducing a kind of model like this, like maybe we'd begin with these drugs and that, and they're saying, but why don't we just start with Anavar? Why don't we, you know, why can't I do this or that? It provides you as a coach quite an easy segue. So listen, watch this. Do <clears throat> you think that'd be useful? Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I think kind of falling back on what you were saying before, a lot of people kind of easily sway towards that Anavar drug of choice because... It's easy, you know. I think a lot of people don't want to go down the routes of different pathways because it means studying more, it means understanding it more. When if a coach says to a client, "Right, take this for eight weeks," it's a simple pill. They're probably going to nod their head and go, "Yeah, this is nice and easy." But if you're providing the content to understand why we would choose different <coughs> pathways, why we choose multiple drug choices rather than just blasting one, people have a better understanding of it, which means once they understand it, they'll be more willing to do it. Yeah, well, again, yeah, and, and even just as far as, like, finding all these compounds because, like, we try to create this polypharmacy model where we have a, a, a bunch of compounds in play, which can be one quite scary for a female because there's there's so many, like, listed on their PED protocol. But then at the same time, um, 
like to find it to find testosterone in australia that a female can dose accurately is so difficult whereas if i said to her go get some anovar like she could get it like that mm. yeah we're very lucky here like femtest is so readily available um so that, that i've got i think i've got a few clients in the uk and i'm like oh thank god <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of brings us back like this is a drug model that's much more difficult to understand the drugs are more difficult to source you've got to be wary of the various timings and various dosages if you're going to be using various pathways so you've got a lot of moving parts it's going to be more expensive because you're using more in total volume pharmaceutical measures the question becomes like if i have to think about all this stuff or spend the money is it worth it and that's where you're going to come in and say yes <laughs> And here is why. And that's what's missing. Yeah. And I even think from like a result outcome, and I'm not sure where you kind of sit with this, but a lot of people like, a lot of people say that these non-endogenic compounds aren't going to bring about as great of a result as an endogenic compound, which is true. But then you were able to use these compounds for the longevity of your career. I kind of have the argument that it would because we can use them for longer. Whereas something like an uh, like an anavar or an androgen based compound, a DHT derivative, we can only onboard it for like a four to six, maybe eight weeks if we're pushing it. Period. And if we're doing that twice a year, how much growth are we actually going to get out of that? When we understand that hypertrophy is is a long term process, it takes a long time to grow. Whereas if we can have all these other compounds in the background that kind of acting like as as a catalyst, I guess, I feel like we're going to get more out of that than what we were just doing short bursts of Anavar or Prima or whatever you choose. Oh, most definitely. If we zoom out and like look at a whole off-season from like a protein turnover perspective, right? So we're talking advanced female bikini competitor or something like that. So, yeah, you could skew that protein turnover equation to like, really crank up muscle protein synthesis for four weeks like you said maybe mean average six weeks top line eight weeks so you could get like really heavy protein accretion for like one or two months right and then as an advanced competitor what you're going to do for the for the rest of the year you know you got 10 months left 11 months left you might be able to gain half a pound of muscle if you're genetically blessed and do everything perfectly so over the whole year let's say we rather skewed that protein turnover equation even 20 percent which i think is a very low estimate based on the amount of anabolism you can push up anti-lipogenesis you can push up lipolysis you can push up with this kind of drug model and stretch that over the entire year because you're not going to have consequential virilization you're not going to be using drugs that drive any toxicity or oxidative stress or inflammation or anything above what you can tolerate at baseline there's going to be at least the same net result without consequential virilization more than likely a better result and that doesn't mean you can't use androgens at all you can still have that one or two months in there but the rest of the year still get really robust progression yeah and and even if we speak about if you kind of just go down uh, the the route of cycling androgens on and off, you've got HPO suppression in between that that's happening. Then mm. it's like, okay, so you, you're actually taking away from the amount of growth that you can get in between cycles. And with the knowledge base that we have from, from many coaches that coach females, 
these drugs are only employed when deployed when they're in a prep, mm. which makes very little sense to me. Mm. Yeah, like you're going to push up your protein accretion really heavily when you don't have the nutrient availability to even grow muscle. You just yeah, there's going to yeah. be cosmetic outcomes for sure. You know, shifting androgen estrogen ratios around, you're going to retain more muscle. You probably shift what compartment fluid is biased towards more intramuscular fluid. Hence, when people say they look drier, um, you know, drier extracellularly, interstitially, subcutaneously, sure, but realistically, you just move that fluid elsewhere, which looks great. But yeah, there's a big consequence for little to no net growth when you can leverage yeah. these other compounds, right? Yeah, and, and for the most part, we're going to be addressing like sort of bikini competitors and what level of conditioning do they need to get into where we need to rely on androgens to be able to get there? Like they're not going to be get, getting to the stages where they're going to be at risk of losing muscle mass because we're females, we're estrogen dominant. Like, and we know that that preserves a lot of muscle. Like, we're not going to get to these stages where we're thick skin lean and we're risking muscle and things like that, that we need to drive up compounds. Yeah, especially now with where cosmetic assessments from, especially NPC, IFBB judging seems to be sitting like, for a long time, it seemed to be bouncing around and it wasn't like too sure what condition. You'd see really lean girls being... Um, judged really favorably and then you wouldn't but it seems to be relatively consistent at least over the last year and i think this olympia just gone was quite telling where striations were quite heavily marked down um it seems to be like just lean enough to get good glue ham separation but no striations and you don't need androgens to do that you know yeah yeah um yeah. Brad, i want to bring you in yeah, let's in, do it. in the conversation here. So in your experience thus far, have you had any uh, difficulties with the clients moving to something that's a little bit more complicated or whatnot? But have you also seen on the flip side, when they've stuck with it, they've been really happy or not so happy with the results? Uh, I've definitely seen both. Like, I think a little bit of um, pushback when I tried to introduce kind of... Um, less risk kind of compounds um, and I think like I said before it's that lack of understanding or lack of knowledge about it that also as well like the the higher level of cost you know if you can get like a pot of anovar and that see you through your prep they're like oh well, I only need it for my prep but then the question I always put back to them is are you then going to want to stop afterwards like as soon as someone introduces a drug and they feel how good it feels how how nice the pumps are how well you can recover are you going to want to stop that straight after your prep? Nine times out of ten, probably not, because you see the benefits of using it. However, they're not taking into account the risks. So when you introduce the risks or explain the risks to them and then say there's a much safer way of doing it and explain and give them the kind of the knowledge, the background, the education to it, I think probably 99% have usually gone with it. And I said, like, once we introduce it, stick with it, see how you feel. I don't think I've ever had anyone kind of push back after them and say, nah, I feel like I prefer going back to Anabar. I've definitely had conversations with people who are not clients who are asking for advice, say on like social media, and I've given them the advice that I think they need to hear. And they've probably pushed back more because again, they've not maybe had the time to fully understand it or not experience it. They've just gone, right, this is an easier option. Um, I've heard that taking Anabar is, is the easiest and safest and best way. It's because I think it's been like, marketed and branded as the female drug of choice 
it's very hard to go against that because I think it was that for such a long period of time. Um, but with my clients, I don't think I've ever had any kind of like serious pushback or never lost a client from it or never had them go, like, no, I'm just going to do this. But I think more from people just asking general kind of conversation or educational kind of advice, that's probably where I get the most pushback. Mm. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like sometimes when I, I explain this um, risk reduction model and, and then I say, and then they go, okay, cool, I still want to do Anavar. And it's like, okay, well, then I need to let you know that once you go off this, the very thing that we're going to have to implement is the thing that I'm I'm suggesting now. Mm-hmm. Like, because a lot of it's around they don't want to pin or anything like that. And then, so they choose to use Anavar and it's like, okay, well, then the, the suppression that we're going to see in your HPA, HPTA axis and to fix that, it's going to be the very solution that I've given to you at the start. Mm-hmm. So regardless, like that's the, sorry, that's the direction that we're heading in. Yeah. Yeah. They don't think of the longevity of family. It's just the here and now it's like, right, I've got a show in eight weeks. I'm just going to take this and it's going to make me feel great. And it's going to give me all these kind of promised results, but they don't tend to think about after. Uh, they just think, like I said, they're going to stop and then just go into an off season, but it doesn't work that way. And, and like you said, if there is ever any problems afterwards, then they've got to think about correcting it. Yeah. Yeah, and I want yeah, and I you go. Sorry, I, I I do want to make it clear for listeners here as well that um, we're not demonising androgen use in 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 competitors. If you're not a competitor, the, the risk reward is probably just not there for you, unless you have really extreme goals, of course, and whatever. But that, that's a different podcast. But like anavar use, primabolin use, masteron use, th- these are things that my clients do that are competitors. That no way would I say that they don't, and yet they are like the big sledgehammer that really make the biggest difference out of any PED, but they also bring the greatest cost with the worst cost-to-benefit ratio for females, so it has to be very acute use. Um, So having synergies in there that allow you to use less and get more, having permissive relationships in there that allow you to use less and get more out of it is important, and also being aware that it's got a... um, a timeline on it you've only got so much exposure before you've essentially hit hormonally mediated gender reassignment which anybody that's been around competitive bodybuilding will see in masters females physique competitors figure competitors in the rare case bikini competitors it happens and many of the people that you see because the biggest pushback i've had has never been from my own clients but i've had the the benefit of being able to consult with a lot of professional bikini competitors over the years um, and, and the main things they kind of say is, but this isn't what the rest of the pros do, which is true. Um, and you could say, well, success leaves clues, which, you know, I think there's some truth in that. Um, however, um, I've also seen a lot of these bikini competitors suffer the consequences. And what we see mostly are people that are very genetically resilient towards virilization. And are able to tolerate that because you know you look at the Olympia at the top fifteen or something. Yeah, out of how many thousands that had to qualify to get there, you know, and, and yeah, it's pretty normal to see like a hundred to two hundred milligram of androgen exposure for like twelve weeks from these girls, but they might not and probably aren't you. Um, and if there is a way to pull some of that cost down, but still use androgens as and when needed, in uh, a minimalist fashion but still get the same outcome that's important to press you know we're not talking about doing less or something like that um or, or getting less we're talking about getting the same result in a smarter manner 
and you're quite right, HPO axis uh, dysfunction, downregulation is something that's not particularly spoken about in the competitive world, but you know, if you find yourself with no testosterone, no DHT, no estradiol, no progesterone, post-show especially, oh my God, you're not going to be in a, a good place. So you might have to end up injecting testosterone and or taking exogenous estrogen and progesterone anyway, potentially for the rest of your life. Yeah, and I, 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 I want to pull back to sort of something that you mentioned <coughs> before because I take that on my consults as well. It's like I'm not anti-androgen use. What I'm actually trying to do is set up an environment where you can run androgens for longer than, you know, kind of use your, you know, your 12 weeks of Anavar or whatnot that your previous coaches had you on. Absolutely. Yeah, because kind of Which I think is another point that, that coaches often miss is like they don't plan out timelines. And I'm like, so you have no idea, well, unless you like if you look back through all your WhatsApp messages, how long you've had this girl on Anavar for, and you've you've put her on in too close proximity to when she actually needs to be on based on when she wants to compete. Oh uh, yeah, and especially if if you're a listener of this and you're on the pro qualifier circuit. Your coach puts you on an androgen, let's say, eight weeks out of your first show. So you've got your qualifier, and then you do your first pro qualifier, and you don't get your card. So then there's one two weeks later. So cool, we run through to that. Right, you didn't get your card there. Okay, cool. There's another show in three weeks, so we run through to that. It's pretty easy to look back and say, fuck, I've been on this for six months now. Mm. You know? Mm. It's easy to get caught up yeah. in that hole, isn't it? Mm. Like, you're just constantly chasing and chasing and chasing. And, you know, I think also kind of flipping it to the other side if you're looking at competitors that are just going for like regional shows or like first time shows I think if you're going to have that level of exposure there's like a hierarchy of exposure where you go low risk and then take the level up into high risk and I think that level of risk reflects what your goal should be you know if you're just looking at just doing regionals then you probably don't want to take those higher risks and you definitely don't want to start there anyway because you know like you said you don't want to demonize a drug but I think it comes at a certain time and a certain place where I think people always shoot for that kind of high end. Same with males. You know, I'm going to just chuck in loads of trend because it's just always seen as this miracle drug. And same with females and anabar. They're just seeing that as the miracle drug. And that's what the pros do. So that's what I should do. When if you're going to start, start low and then start building up high. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. And if you're a figure, not figure, if you're a physique or bodybuilding competitor and you don't give a shit about virilization go for it it doesn't really matter you know but you will be marked down for virilization in bikini understand that and it's not something you'll be able to dress up in the future yeah if you hit that point like you're done your competitive career is over you know yeah yeah and i think like we we can look at sort of of like the visual risk as far as like the virilization and masculine side effects but then that they completely disregard the probably the biggest risk which is the the shutdown of your female reproductive system mm. yeah and very highly biologically into individual i'm sure you've seen darian somebody that's literally used an androgen for four weeks and had the totality of hbo axes uh, dysfunction shut down and then it's like wow what like i'm stuck now the rest of my life on hormone replacement therapy. This sucks. I just wanted to do a first timer show. Mm. It's rare, but it, it does happen. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And I even see like, even if they do choose to go down this, this route where they're using multiple compounds and they are able to source them, if they are their doctor and they mention that they're using them, like the doctor is 
is full pushback. Like, why are you on metformin? Why are you on talmasatin? Like, or I would never touch progesterone or anything like that. And it's like, and now, now I I have to go against a health professional and tell them like why we're doing this. But did you tell them that the other option was Anavar and that that would be another route that you would go down? And likely not. Yeah, a big difficulty with medical professionals when it comes to hormone replacement therapy specifically is a female being fobbed off with just progesterone. That's a yeah a, a real difficult one. Um, especially like, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but here, like we, we would have a general practitioner and I don't expect them to know everything about endocrinology or, or hormones at all. You know, why should they, no one's going to know everything about everything at the same time. It's a pretty dangerous circumstance, which is going to suck for a female, especially if they get put on like a Depo Provera, uh, injectable progestin, like, man, that is going to suck for you. If you end up in that position, which happens all the time, yeah, and I, I think that was like sort of what introduced us was because I I looked at my blood work and I saw that my my hormonal panel was sort of down the toilet, and I went to endocrinologist and tried to get testosterone, and I I couldn't. That I think at the end that it came down to I got prescribed it from one endocrinologist, and the conversation was if you don't give it to me, I'm going to go underground. So how about we just do this in a safer manner? Yeah, the tide do seem to be shifting i think a lot of the um there's a lot of new literature coming forward on testosterone use exogenous testosterone use in, in women specifically i know last year we had that large meta-analysis on the safety and efficacy of testosterone for um post-menopausal women um and just as a point of that it's like it's easy to look at that but like oh, as post-menopausal women that's not my um sort of clinical environment it might be because you know mm. the hormone attenuation that a postmenopausal woman sees is going to practically be the same as you're going to see from exogenous androgen use you know you're just both in a yeah. scenario hpo axis dysfunction um but now we're getting more literature like that and, and we see just how efficacious safe productive and beneficial testosterone is for women i mean it makes sense it's the most abundant sex steroid hormone in females you yeah. know yeah yeah and and i think i said this in my introduction video like it's it's the parent hormone for estrogen mm. and so it it, it it just wouldn't make sense that you address estrogen first without addressing the testosterone but then also like in saying that um uh, i was gonna i was gonna say that my my blood work was exactly that like when we first broke it it was showing that of a postmenopausal woman um and symptom, symptom, uh, my symptoms were reflective of that as well. Like I was getting night sweats. I was irritable. I had really low, low mood, um, low energy levels. I, I didn't, I just didn't feel myself. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I feel like, like if we, if we listen more to the females and we listen to the feedback that they're giving us and we push for more information, like we're going to, we're going to be able to figure it out quite quickly. Mm. Yeah. Great point about estrogen, specifically estradiol. And because bodybuilders don't particularly, in my experience, acutely care about health, maybe we could press the fact that when you do take an androgen, you will not have estradiol present, or you'll have very little if you still have like uh, some adrenal function or something like this. Um, estradiol is incredibly anabolic, it stimulates the GHRGF axes, it's lipolytic, so it's going to help you actually lose more body fat. This is a molecule that 
you don't want to see drop down uh, at any point for your physique development realistically. So you you're, you might yeah. be introducing something that works incredibly well through the androgen receptor, but you're also taking something away that works incredibly well. So at least having this kind of testosterone base figured out, which you will have to do exogenously because it won't be present when you take an androgen, and layer the androgen on top if you are going to use it, so you at least remove the risks that come with HPO axis dysfunction, um, and you get the big benefit physique-wise of retaining sufficient testosterone and downstream DHT and androstenedione, etc., um, and the androgen on top. Uh, it's a basic consideration that you know you'd be crazy knowing what we know now not to do. Yeah, and and exactly what we see in those postmenopause of the woman. If your women, sorry, if your ovaries aren't producing enough estrogen, your adrenals are going to try and produce that estrogen. And if we, in a contest prep scenario, we continue to drive down estrogen, we're going to see more of that subcutaneous fat, which is going to take away from your physique. Mm. Yeah, and you don't really want to crank your adrenals when you're already fatigued as hell. As well. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Ideally not. Um, yeah, so like I was saying, in the UK, we, we have very easy access to female testosterone. It's normally in sort of um, 10 or 20 milligram per mil solutions. The, the great difficulty is coming with this model, at least for this one drug, because there's obviously many. Um, so what are, what are some routes that you found that, that kind of allow you to still use a testosterone with females that haven't got ready access to female testosterone solutions? Um, so in Australia there was there is a clinician, he's a doctor. I don't I don't think he's based in Australia. I think he works overseas, but legally he's allowed to subscribe subscribe in Australia through a farm through a pharmacy, like a compound pharmacy. Um, and they're more into the bodybuilding scene. So you can pay for that, which is quite expensive because you've got to pay for all the blood work and then you've got to pay for the consultation and all the reviews before you can get the actual compounds. And I think the testosterone, I think for 100 milligrams in total, so I think it's dosed at 10 milligrams per vial, I think it's close to $300. So, yeah, it's not cheap. And in that in that scenario, I'm just like, yeah, you're probably better off just trying to dilute it. I've never personally had to dilute it for myself, but I think, like, if if – that if that was a scenario and the end budget was that tight, I'd be like, just dilute some of yourself, like try it out. Um, but otherwise, I usually try to get females to find 100 milligrams per meal and then just getting the smallest insulin syringe that you can find to draw that out, draw that out accurately. But like I've had females that are trying to do it with 200, 250 milligrams, and I'm like, it's likely that you're overdosing because it's just, it's, it's too small of an amount for you to pull through a needle. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Just for comparison for anybody listening, um, for a 10 milligram per mil vial, so that's 100 milligrams in total, I pay £15. Um, yeah, I think I got, um, the, the first people that I got through, I was lucky enough to have it come from the UK. Um, I have no idea how, because you just put it in like a normal procedure, it arrived in my letterbox, but ever since then it's been seized. Um, but yeah, Exactly what you said. It was, it was very cheap, and I still got it. It would last me, you know, four years. Yeah, the dilution makes sense. It just makes me like I've never had to dilute anything. Um, 
you know, so for example, if we've got a 200 milligram per mil vial of testosterone cypionate, 10 mil, if you add 90 mil of a pharmaceutical sterile oil to that, you'll have 250, sorry, 2,500 milligrams per 100 mil. So it'd be 25 milligram per mil, um, which is still a little bit too high. Sorry, 20 milligram per mil. I used the example of 200 milligram per mil, didn't I? Um, it doesn't give me like, the warm and fuzzies thinking someone's going to have to do this kind of mm. chemical process like what's the sterility going to be like you know i don't have a clue about cooking gear or anything like that you know are you just going to end up yeah. dumping this oil into this other oil and hoping it's okay yeah it would definitely be something that i do on a girl's night <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're going to try and do today arts and crafts Nice. <laughs> and we're all going to use it because if one of us is going to die, we're all going to die. All in, yeah. And you all get an abscess. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to live to tell this tale. So, moving forward, talk, bringing this back to Physique Collective. So, this kind of model that we've we've alluded to in here, but we haven't segmented out drugs and what each of them do and whatnot. So, this is what you're going to be bringing female viewers right you're going to go through each drug that they can use in sequence what's the risk what's the reward what does it do blah 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 right yeah and i've tried to plan it out in order although it's not exact because like sort of the individuality of each person will it kind of factor into what drugs you you onboard at what time but um i've tried to do it from sort of least aggressive to most assertive basis it's just it's missing isn't it there isn't a stepwise process like my experience with women in competitions and it'd be interesting to see if, if this is the same experience for you brad is like they don't and, and i don't want this to sound sexist right this is just my experience they don't necessarily want to learn and understand they want to just be told what to do and a, a pretty common response i'll get be like, oh, but my boyfriend says just do this my yeah. husband says just do this. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Literally. So I get it from, um, they're like, oh, my dealer said to just use 200 milligrams and just dose it less. And I'm like, I don't give a shit what your dealer said. <laughs> oh, cool. I'm still sticking by what I said two days ago. Well, I'm sure he'd love to just sell you more oil. Yeah. So just take the whole yeah. thing. Sales tactic, yeah. I'm going to take the better the result. Is, uh, I, I yeah. Mine's, mine's pretty much been the same. Like, I'd say maybe 5% of my females want to learn what it does. I think the the question that I usually get is, is it safe? Is it going to work? That's, that's pretty much all I get. Mm. Others are just like, yeah, cool. Tell me what to take and I'll do it. I don't really get many yeah. people that really want to learn. I'll try and provide as much information. I'll, I'll go through like the pros, the cons, why we'd use it, the benefits of using it, the cons of using it, and then they can make a decision of, yeah, that's something I want to do or no, I'm just going to stay completely unenhanced um but yeah and even like from the perspective that i on my spreadsheets i asked my females to track what phase they're in in their menstrual cycle mm -hmm. and i i reckon about 50 percent know how to do it yeah they just yeah they don't they don't understand their own reproductive system and i'm like it's a lack of education like even you know from primary school days like it's it's just a lack of kind of awareness around that and and normalizing this stuff like how can we normalize female PED use when we can't even normalize a period yeah yes that's insane and having that understanding can pull off a lot of stress as well you know like 
Okay, mm. at this point in your hormonal cycle, your estrogen is going to be doing this. Thus, we might expect body weight and extracellular fluid to do this. And, and mm. therefore, when they check in and they've gained three pounds in a deficit or they look softer and they're losing their head, well, at least giving them some kind of practical explanation as to why, you might be like, oh, okay. And then if they're chilled, they'll be able to wash that fluid off much more readily. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Yeah. There was something else I was going to touch on as far as um, oh, the, the education aspect. Like I've also had females sort of, they're like, yeah, like I'm uh, J3, like the stuff that John Jewell puts out is great. And he just started his female, um, uh, his female PED uh, course. And I've had females that like that have done the course, but they still just don't want to take care of themselves. Like it's sort of like keep, like you're not even wanting to kind of um, ingest what's what's given to you. It's like it's right in front of you. There, all you have to do is is follow along. Mm. Yeah, I think we will get that shift a bit because the sport is more popular than ever. Therefore, there's going to be less purely genetically elite people hitting the level of using PEDs. It's going to be widespread, just like it's becoming male bodybuilding. You have, you know, so many females from every single genetic structure and walk of life competing in regional shows and things like this, and they're all going to end up, I mean, I shouldn't say all, uh, many of them will end up using PED. So we're going to see more people that are less genetically resilient to the deleterious aspects of PED use. So there's going to be a much greater concern over management. Sorry, what was you going to say? Yeah. Before? <laughs> but that's yeah. that's the other pushback that I get, and I hate those comments on Instagram where they're like, you know, female bikini competitors shouldn't be using drugs, and I'm like, well, they fucking are. So how about we just create some awareness around it and put some education out there? Oh, this is the worst. This is the worst. Yeah. There's a, yeah, because and with today's caliber of athletes, like it's it's almost like a necessity to be able to get to where you need to get to. Um, you might be able to get to the Olympia naturally, but are you going to make the top ten? Probably not. If you're one in a billion, maybe. Um, I think kind of touching back on what Joe was saying, like where there are more people now getting into the bodybuilding realms, there are more people going assisted. Sadly, that is going to come with more risk, and I think it's the severity when the shit hits the fan, so to speak. That's when people are like, oh no, now I need to know what's going on. So it's almost going to force their hand to become more educated. It shouldn't be that way. But I think before the negatives happen, people don't really care. They just want to ingest anything as long as it works. But like Joe said, the more people coming into it, the more people who are potentially going to be less genetically gifted to deleterious harm, it's then going to force people to then educate themselves. Because it's like, right, this has happened now. Now I have to, I have to fix it. So I need to go and educate myself. I need to understand it. Or I need to have someone that actually fully understands this. Rather than a coach that just goes, yeah. yeah, take this, it'll be fine. When it's not fine, then what happens? Because the coach probably doesn't know. Yeah, and I think, Joe, you explained it really well in one of your videos. You were, you were talking about how um, the androgen load builds up over time. And, like, once we get those realization side effects, like, some of those are irreversible, but they creep up on you, and you're going to do one cycle of it, and you're going to have masculine side effects. And unfortunately, like, that's just what it is. And we, we want to we want to be aware of those before they happen. I often use the analogy of a shaker cup. So if we've got, like I've got one here, I know nobody listening can see this, but I'm holding a shaker. Every time we take an androgen, you put in a little bit of fluid into the shaker. Once you reach the top of the shaker, you're in virilization town. 
and everybody's going to have a different rate of filling of fluid. There's going to be a different amount of volume per milligram of androgen being exposed to. You can't know what that is until we have some kind of extreme, easy, readily access to CRISPR with genetic technology or something. You're not going to know. And you could be thinking, I'm getting away with this, no problem. And then it can smack you in the face one day. And then any further exposure to androgens, there's going to be virilization consequences. No matter if you have time off, whatever, your androgen yeah. exposure has been sufficient for that. So if you want to yeah. compete for a long time, if you want to get to the pro ranks, you should do everything in your power to avoid uh, higher dosing or, more importantly, longer durations of exposure, like you said. And we're yeah. going to tell you guys exactly how to do that but still get great results and still do well. That's the point, you know. We're not trying to trade off less. What would be the point? Yeah. You know. And God forbid you shake the shaker without the lid on. Oh, I do it all the time. Or the lid's like half, <laughs> uh, do you half on, goes everywhere, haven't popped the top. Yeah, in the car, and you shake it in the car, and it's just like, fuck. <laughs> haven't done that before. Um, <laughs> uh, I was going to say, too, the... Um, I've had I've had coaches like I used to work for a coach that did a similar thing and he's like oh she was on she was on for sixteen weeks because her coach forgot about it but she was fine so we're just going to take four weeks off and do it again because she's got to compete and I'm like you you've got the same thought process that she's got like you don't understand that it's going to build up just because she was fine once it was her first time using it of course she's going to be fine oh yeah and I, and I'm sure. I'm sure you could do something like that in your first year of androgen exposure. You probably could come on for six weeks, and most people will be absolutely fine. But do you ever if you if you only want to do one show, fine, go for it. Yeah, it's never only one show. Yeah, yeah. And I think like um, as far as what you were saying about getting great results on on this polypharmacy model without introducing androgens. I, th I feel like that's where I've got the advantage because we went through that process and I've got the photos from when I was on nothing to when I, you know, but I had only done androgens for, uh, sorry, non-androgenic compounds for a year and they were the results that I got. I'm not going to say that I haven't done androgens since then, but up to that point, I was I didn't use any androgens. Yeah, that's a great point. Besides the testosterone, but I had to. Yeah, uh, yeah, bioidentical androgens in Physiology yeah. <laughs> is, is different, right? Um, but that's a great sort of weapon that we've got now is that we've actually got female competitors that have followed a model like this that have had brilliant success. Even in, you know, like I've got pro wellness clients, you know, that have made insane progress and are placing really well at pro shows doing this. And they're very muscular, you know, yeah. They're more muscular than a bikini athlete is ever going to have to be. Are they genetically gifted? Obviously, that's the only way they're getting there in the first place. But they're still competing against other people that are just as, if not more, genetically capable and still progressing year on year, adding stage weight, coming in better, with maximum eight weeks of exposure per year to androgens. You know? So Yeah, and... As you said before, like if, if a female comes to me and she's been on androgens, I'm not suggesting that we don't use androgens again. I'm suggesting that while you're not off androgens, we take advantage of that anabolic environment by using these non-androgenic compounds. So I'm actually asking you to use more. But what you're not understanding is that it's we're not going to have as great of a risk as what you were doing before. Yeah, we're just avoiding concurrent use of virilization driving compounds. And 
not wasting time by either because your options become don't really make any good progress or pay with virilization or follow something like this and still make good progress with very low risk mm. yeah you know, I, I know which one every woman as a competitor would choose you know if they can understand it the difficulty obviously is that there's lots of moving parts and it can be tricky but that's what you're going to do you're going to explain it in very simple easy to understand terms that anybody will be able to grasp right yeah sweet cool yeah. i think we could uh, probably wrap this one up here we've gone through quite a bit um darian tell people where they can find you and again remind everyone the kind of stuff they can see from you at physique collective um so on instagram it's at coach darian bates i feel like every coach only really gets people through instagram at the moment i am on tiktok which is the same thing but it's the exact same information that i put out on instagram um i've got a youtube as well same same uh tag at coach darian bates and then and soon um hopefully just shortly after this podcast is released you'll find me on the physique collective um so not a coach under there but just an educator um and i'll just be putting out in content on female pd use i will try to get a little bit more into the forums like once i start releasing some videos any questions and stuff that people have i'll address those do the same. And I've got my own log on there too. I haven't updated it because I haven't had any changes, but every time I make changes, I'll update yeah, that. Your log, your log is sick, to be fair. People definitely yeah. go and check it out because it's it's exactly what we're talking about in here. Like the progress, I know you won't think it's Darren, but the progress you've made since the first time we spoke is just hilarious. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's exactly what we're talking about in action. You've done it. You've lived it. You've proven it, you know? Yeah. Did I tell you there was a Reddit forum about me the other day? Really? What was it saying? Yeah. Uh, it's just, um, it's, it's someone, it must be someone that knows me. I hate that you can't find out who it is. But it, it must be someone that knows me and is just not happy with the information that I'm putting out. Oh. And they were saying she's talking about, like, you know, safer use and, and she's got virilization and all, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, there's nothing that I'm using that could cause virilization. Yeah. <laughs> it's the internet, isn't it? yeah. I wanted to comment, but then I was just like, "Nah, I need it. I need to get away from it." Oh, trust me, I've learned over the years. Because uh, you, you know, yeah. you're going to get loads more, yeah. and it's going to be way worse. Just ignore it. Yeah. Well, one of I saw one of my clients jump in, and she kind of commented on it, and she was just like, "You're an idiot." But it well, it is what it is. It's what we spoke about at the beginning, because this individual doesn't understand and or isn't making progress themselves it upsets them so they have to yeah. know that. that's okay you know just feel sorry for them mm -hmm. you know you're, yeah you're busy doing great work and they're on reddit yeah yeah <laughs> exactly but i you know like we i started q a the other day this uh he's a popular bikini coach in australia and he was like you know we've got um amateurs using a uh, growth hormone and insulin uh when they're not even like kind of placing and i'm like hmm but you've got them running anavar for how many weeks oh yeah <laughs> this is gonna yeah be, you just you don't understand this is where this information is going to be so incredible you know breaking the stigma especially if something like insulin like bikini competitors should never use insulin but it's okay for like diabetic five-year-olds 
to use in, you know, like. Yeah. Or the, the do you have a uh, a degree in pharmacology or whatnot? And it's like, does do any other coaches in this realm have a, a degree in pharmacology? That, that degree in physique enhancement through drug use that you can get. That one. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Jesus. I can't afford a degree. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have time for it. Yeah, definitely. Cool, Brad, tell people where they can get at you. So, guys, you can find me on the Physique Collective app. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at bwcoachinganimalistic. Um, also have a podcast, the Triple F podcast, and I've got YouTube, but it's shit, and no one really needs to go there because all my content is on Instagram, so I wouldn't worry about that. <laughs> I need to start doing the Physique Collective vlog, actually. Get the log going, yeah, man. Yeah. People need to see the, the savage gains that mm. are being made. I, need to, I haven't done my log in ages. To be honest, I should probably get yeah. that. Um, guys, if you want to find me at Joe underscore Physicalator on Instagram, I'm all over the Physicalator forum all day, every day, answering questions and all of my contents on there. Guys, please, if you're a female listening or if you're a coach that coaches females or your missus is a competitor or she just loves uh, physique development and wants to use PEDs. The information that Darren is going to be bringing us here is invaluable. Um, for the price that you pay for Z Collective, I mean, this is one of the directors of the company saying this, I understand that. Um, I just wish, I wish 10 years ago, you know, when I started coaching, if I had access to something like this, I'd probably piss my pants. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, even for coaches, like on the Physique Collective, I feel like sometimes when a, a client asks you a question and you know the answer but you don't know how to verbalize it, verbalize it in an appropriate manner, like sometimes I like to refer back to yourself and I'm like, it's actually a smart way to say it. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> right, guys, thanks for listening. Any questions for any of us, please get them on the Physique Collective forum. Enjoy the content. Also, any um, requests for content from Darren or me or Brad, put them on the forum and we'll get them done for you. And we'll catch you guys in the next podcast. Peace. <laughs>